so excited to see all of these people that are ready for the word. I want you to do one more sweep of your outreach. I want you to tag, share, put it in your story, put it in the groups that you can be in, because we are talking about embracing the kingdom perspective of wealth. Now, as I get ready to pray, I want you to think about this. When we started teaching this series, I was thinking about this. We've preached a lot of messages mm -hmm. over the course of since 2000. Well, before then, but since we've been pastoring since 2000, we've preached a lot of messages. We've preached a lot of places to a lot of people. And there has not always been someone in the room that had mental illness. There has not always been somebody in the room that needed physical healing. But we have never preached in a room. <laughs> where people did not need money. That's facts. We have never preached in a room where people did not need money. And the beautiful thing is God has set us up to prosper in every season. That includes financially. And so as we're teaching this series, we really are praying for all of us that we would expand in our revelation and understanding that struggle is not the will of God for us. We had the opportunity, um, Hillary reached out and said that she had a young lady that she had been mentoring and that young lady um, needed help getting her kids back to school clothes, right? And I know a lot of people think, oh, why do your kids need back to school clothes? I don't know about other people's kids, but our kids grew every summer. So they like kids grow. Our kids grew every summer, right? And um, if you got some long leg kids and some fast growing kids, it is a great opportunity. It is a great chance that what they wore, they could wear in May, they cannot wear in August, right? She needed, um, she needed um, some help getting these babies clothes. She had three kids that she was trying to get clothes. And I love it because we called the girls in, Jordan and Kane, and gave them an opportunity to sew, and they sewed. And then Pastor Elwin and I took care of the need. You know, the only reason we could take care of the need is because we had resources. The only reason we could take care of the need is because we had resources. We cannot minimize money is a bad God, but money is a wonderful tool. And it is a tool that can be used to show people the love of God. So let's pray and let's get started. Yeah. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you for being so mindful of us. We thank you that the greatest prosperity is Jesus. We thank you that he paid a debt that we could never pay. He gave us righteousness that we could never earn. He's given us favor that we don't deserve. We thank you for the mercy, the grace, the holiness, everything that comes from being renewed in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the prosperity of the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us in all truth, shows us the way that we can go, helps us to find the path, corrects and instructs us. We thank you for the prosperity that's found in the word, the wisdom for everyday living to improve our relationships to represent you well in the world we thank you for the prosperity of a church a church body where we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry we thank you for every good thing that you have given us now as we specifically dive into embracing a kingdom perspective about wealth we embrace your word that says anytime we can see here and understand we shall be converted and we shall be healed and so we declare that everything that is out of alignment with your truth regarding wealth will be aligned and healed today in Jesus name. Amen. 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 You know, sometimes people, they ask the question, why would a church spend time talking about wealth? Because do you know one of the greatest needs that people have when they come 
and they call Fellowship of Champions, sometimes they'll call about marriage counseling. Sometimes they may call because they need someone to pray because someone is sick. But you know what 90% of all the calls are that come into this ministry, what people need? Money. money. They need money. That's what they need. That's what they call. They say, I called another church and they said they, I, they couldn't help us. So I just need money for a hotel room or I need to get my car repaired or I'm about to lose my house or I'm about to lose my car. or I don't have money for back to school or I don't have money to buy clothes for this job interview I got. People need money. And what I understand and what I know is, is that when people lack anything, they must be taught about it. They must yeah, be taught. Good. You do not overcome a lack of understanding. And hear me out. Ignorance, meaning you don't know just through osmosis. You have to be instructed. You have to be taught about it. And so here we are. This is our third week talking about embracing uh, the kingdom perspective on wealth. We, we, we've talked that first couple of weeks through several key principles uh, we talked about the fact that it is God's will uh, for us to prosper, that it is literally part of his mandate for all of his children to have sufficient enough resources so that every good work he calls us to, we're able to respond. That's good. When, when we got the phone call that the young lady had done everything she could to me. She, she secured the school supplies. She took care, care of that. But she was lacking in the area of being able to get these children the, the clothes that they needed to be even be comfortable to go to school and learn. That was a need that needed to be met. And God says, I need someone who can partner with me in the earth. That's good. And that's literally what God is doing for each of us. God is wanting us to partner with him in the earth to be able to bring his will to pass. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like our definition of faith. We said that faith is a supernatural force, power or belief that it comes from God. It's given to us, the believer, and that is designed to bring God's will in the earth to pass. God says, listen. It is my desire that you would prosper, that you would be in hell, even as your soul prospers. He says, I want your mind right. I want your body right. And I want your money right. And so that is the reason that we spend time teaching on this, because we believe that even if just the people who were on this broadcast right now, if the 80 people who were on this broadcast right now was all walking in the fullness of their financial prosperity that God has called them into, there would absolutely not be a need we could not meet. Amen. And I know that sounds radical to people, but there would not be a need that he would call us to. We may not be able to take care of all the needs of the world, but the thing that he called us to, we there's not a need he would call us to, we wouldn't be able to come and, and, and be the answer for. I really, I really want y'all to soak in and, and let that sink in for you. That if just our partners, not even all our partners, nope. just our partners just that are live are right now. Right now. If you if every one of us were operating in the financial abundance that God has for us, I want you to just stop and think of the needs we could meet. 
I want you to stop and think of the ways we could minister the gospel to people, the way that we could get, if, if just us, if just yeah. us, but in order for you to do that, you've got to get in faith. Yes. You've got to believe God is bigger than your gender. God is bigger than your um, bigger than your credit score. God is bigger than your current location and what your family has done before. You have got to believe that the promise for wealth is true for you. And it's not just true for you to meet your needs. Hear me. God does care about your needs, but God also cares about us being able to meet the needs of other people. And I'll never forget this one day. Um, you know, I typically do not argue with people on social media, but there was this local partner and this local partner was on my live. This local pastor was on my live and he was upset that I on the strategies for success that I was teaching people to be prosperous. Right. And I knew for a fact that he had a lot of people in his church with needs that they couldn't meet. So he was he had a GoFundMe going. And I said to him, I was like, I don't usually do this. I don't usually respond to critics in this way. But do you realize that the reason you need a GoFundMe where you have to ask people outside of your church is that you are attempting to meet needs while teaching poverty? Yeah. And, and, and you got to get this out of your mind, this teaching, these things that you've heard, that, that there is something noble in barely making it, that there is something no, no, noble in struggle. Let me ask you this. How many of you ever struggled growing up? You struggled growing up. Put a one in the comments. You struggled in college. You struggled in your early years of your marriage. How many of you know what struggle is like? If you have ever struggled, then here's what you know. You're not creative when you struggle. You're not at peace when you struggle. Your mind is not at rest when you struggle. You are not in your best health when you are struggling. And the truth of it is, is that when you are struggling financial, financially, it is so hard to even hear the things God is telling you to do purpose-wise because you're consumed by need. Shameless plug, you should join me on Tuesday. Uh, for Ed Talk at 12 noon, we're going to be talking about what happens when our mind and our body lives in a place of uncertainty. Poverty causes uncertainty. It does. When you live in a place of uncertainty, it drains you of your creativity. Yes. It, it causes you to make bad decisions. Yes. It, it, it releases uh, cortisol in your body and it causes you to live in this flight or fight state for long extended periods of time, which then has a psychological and physiological impact on your body and your mind. You should join me on Tuesday because she just she just gave you a segue, but we're going to deal with that on Tuesday. But I'm telling you, poverty is not the children's bread. It's not the children's bread. And you said something. So you said that when we're in this state, right, mm -hmm. that we make bad decisions. If you have ever made a bad financial decision because it was the only thing you knew to do, put a two in the comments. It was the only you, or you made a or you made a bad financial decision. And at the time you thought it was a good financial That's, decision. And now you look back and you go, why in the world would I have ever done that? Because it was the only thing you knew to do. And Why? because of the stress and the strain and the chemical reaction being released due to uncertainty and everything else that was happening in your life, that's why you made the decision. And what we want to do is to create for you a lifestyle where those kind of things aren't happening. 
We don't care what the world, we don't, we, we resign to the fact that yes, there are going to be people who talk about us, but you know what they're not going to be able to say? We're broke. Well, you know what they're not going to be able to say about you? You broke. You know what they're not going to be able to say about us? We sick. You know what they're not going to be able to say about you? That you sick. You know what they're not going to be able to say? That, that, that our families are, are all messed up and in turmoil. You know what they're not going to be able to say about you? That your family's all messed up in turmoil. We can't promise you folk won't talk about you. What we can promise you is TLP can be your lifestyle. Well, actually, what we can promise you is that they will, is that they will talk about you. Because the Bible says. What we, can, we can guarantee you that they will talk about you. And that's why you have to have the word established on the inside of you. Like here, like one of our first recap points is God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Mm -hmm. See, I have to establish that God takes pleasure in my prosperity or somebody who doesn't understand the kingdom will come and talk me out of prosperity. Mm -hmm. Somebody will come and try to make me feel guilty for being blessed, be feeling guilty. People will come and say dumb things like this because people say it and maybe you said it. And if you said it, you can forgive yourself and repent and not say it. People will look at somebody else's abundance and say they don't need all of that. But it's always interesting to me that whenever says whenever somebody says they don't need all of that, what they mean is more than what they have. Mm -hmm. What they mean is more than what they have. So you might say we don't need three cars, but you have two. Right. You don't think having two cars is too much. You think having three cars is too much. Right. Why do you think three cars is too much? Because you more don't have. Because it's more than what you have. Right. So you need to understand that you got to get established in the fact that God takes pleasure in our prosperity. And I'm going to say something bold, and I want you to receive it. God does not care how much money you have. But he does care how much money has you. Absolutely. God does not Absolutely. care how much money you have, but he does care how much money has you. Now, what does that mean? That means God does not have an issue if you a thousandaire, a millionaire, a multimillionaire, or a billionaire. What God wants to know is that he can ask you for anything and your answer is yes. Mm -hmm. So if you are agreeing to come into this space, I just want you to say, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. I want you to put in the comments, yes, Lord. And I want you to understand that this yes, Lord, is an invitation for you to be tested. He is going to find out if you really mean it. He's going to let you actually, Pastor Edwin says it like this. He's going to let you see if you really mean it. Because he already, he already knows. knows what's in your he heart. He already knows. He's going to let you see. He gives you opportunity so you can see. Because a lot of times people say things like, oh, if I won the lottery, ooh, that tide's going to be big. Or they say, oh, if I won the lottery, I'd build that school you want. If I won the lottery, I'd do X, Y, and Z. You won't do that at that level if you won't give God the dime of the dollar. If you won't give God a dime, you ain't about to give him $100 million. Off the building. You you just you're not about to do that. And you fool yourself into thinking that you would. Because if you if you can't connect to God on the level you're on now, he said he says it like this: How can I give you more when you haven't been faithful over that which you have? And so it's important for you to understand that you need to embrace this idea that God's will is prosperity for me. He takes pleasure in my prosperity. And not only, not only that, on top of that, he supplies it. He supplies Now think my about prosperity. that. God wants me blessed. He wants me prosperous. 
He's happy when I'm blessed. He's happy when I'm prosperous. And to ensure that it happened, he's the one who supplies it. He supplies. He doesn't make me toil for it. He doesn't make me do dishonest things for it. He doesn't make me beg for it. He supplies it for me. He supplies it for me. How does he do that? He tells me how to partner with him. He tells me how to how, where to go. He says, I am the Lord God who will teach you how to profit. I will teach you how to profit. And then he says, he says, in the way that you should go, I will show you the way that you should go. And then he says, and the blessing of the Lord make it rich and, and adds no sorrow. So if you got riches and sorrow, that didn't come from God. Because that word and is a conjunction there. He says, I, I, I'll make you rich and I will not add any sorrow to it. What does that mean? In the kingdom of God, you don't have to grind? No. I'm not saying you don't have to work. I'm saying you don't have to toil. In the kingdom of God, you don't have to lose your marriage. In the kingdom of God, you don't have to lose your kids. In the kingdom of God, you don't have to lose your health. The other day, I was listening to somebody from the world, and they were saying, if you're going to be successful, it's going to cost you something. You're going to lose your friend. And I said, the devil is a lie. That is the world's limited thinking. Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. That is why we always start before we're ever trying to get our money up, we're trying to get our soul up. The Bible even talked about how uh, when, when one particular church, they was really giving. Paul said, to, Paul said about them, he said, before they gave me money, before they supplied me for the ministry, he says they gave themselves to the Lord. And that's the first thing you have to do. You have to give yourself to the Lord. Why? Because if you give yourself to the Lord, then he can direct you. He can lead you. He can teach you. He can do everything for you so that you are in a place where you can prosper. Now, so we said it's God's will for our life to be uh, filled with prosperity. We said that he gets joy in our prosperity. And then we said that he supplies our prosperity. He's a good God. The next thing we said was that prosperity was necessary in order to preach this gospel around the world. We just got through watching uh, different segments of the Southwest Believers Convention. And no matter who was teaching, they were talking about how they were able to use resources to get the gospel around the world, whether they were sending Bibles to other countries, whether they were setting up orphanages, whether they were setting up schools, whether they were able to go there and just actually teach and not even have to receive an offering just to be a blessing to the people. God needs us to partner with him. He says in Deuteronomy, he says, listen, we says when you become prosperous, don't forget about me. Don't forget about the fact that I am the one who did this for you. He said, I'm establishing this for you so that I can establish my covenant around the world. What's my covenant? That everybody could be blessed. He says, I need you to join me in this endeavor. And then we said God's prosperity comes with persecution, which we kind of talked about that. But listen, you're going to be persecuted one way or the other. Folk going to talk about you whether you got money Come on. or whether you don't. They're going to talk about you whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. They're going to talk about whether you're married or whether you're divorced. They're going to talk about whether you got kids or whether you don't. So at least I might as well be in a situation that God will have me to be in when they're talking about me. Because folk are going to talk about you no matter what. And how many of you know that the gospel needs to go around the world? It does. And it goes back to... And, I, and when we say around the world, I have to always say this. Sometimes we just think Africa. We think India. 
But you know uh, what the gospel, the gospel, the real good news, too good to be true good news needs to be preached on your street in America, in America, <laughs> in your neighborhood, at your YMCA, at your boys and girls club, at your job. That's that's your world. That's what he says. Start in Jerusalem first. So you, we, we need to start teaching this to those who we interact with the most. And here, guys, I really want you to understand the strategy of the enemy because he says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Research tells us that 80% of marriages fall apart over money. Mm -hmm. Okay? The money stress gets so bad that it destroys the rest of the relationship, right? When you think about things you couldn't do growing up, I was laughing the other day. Pastor Edwin and I do this thing where we say, tell me something you don't know about me. And I was like, man... I wanted to take karate so bad as a kid, but we didn't have the money. And my grandmama said it made more sense for me to take piano lessons than to take karate lessons, right? I never got to take karate. How many of you have something you never got to try, you never got to experience, you never got to do, you didn't get to go on the school trips, you didn't get to pick the major that was really, people told you to pick majors, based on where you could make the most money or where you thought, like, think about how much of our life has been shaped by the lack of money. I need y'all to help me and to understand this. There are many of you right now today that do not like the job that you have, that do not enjoy the work that you do because somebody had you to pick something based on money or based on what you could or couldn't do. They say, girl, you ain't got time to go to school and be no doctor. You got to hurry up and get out here and get in the workplace or you don't have time to be an engineer or you don't have time to be an architect or you don't get to go to Paris like everybody else. And then you think about how much the enemy has used money to build boxes and limitations in our lives. Because people interact in their lives. My spiritual father taught me this. People interact in their lives based on how they saw money come in and out of their life. It is the reason, it, 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 is, it is literally the reason that I, even just within our own household, our older kids when they were younger, we didn't have as much money as we have now. Canaan is our youngest kid. We've always had, for the most part, when, when she was able to recognize what money is, we've always had money. We've always had resources. Our older kids didn't because we was learning what we're teaching now. We were trying to understand how this works and, and, and we were sowing our seed Preach, and, and, and believing for our harvest. Well, we've harvested it now. So people interact with how money comes in and out of their life. So when we're shopping somewhere and she see a pair of five or six hundred dollar shoes in her mind, she doesn't even see that as expensive as our other kids would see a pair of five or six hundred dollar shoes. And sometimes they would go, oh, I would never ask mama or daddy for that because they're they're operating based on how they saw money come in and out of their life. And as a result of that, if we don't spend time always digging that stuff up then we end up living our lives based on how we saw money come in and out of our lives. I used to wouldn't buy, I had to get to the place. You and, and, and Ralph and Chris and other people had to push me to the place where I would buy something for myself. So much so I can still remember right now the most expensive thing I ever bought for myself 
because I would spend thousands of dollars on you. I would spend thousands of dollars on my kids. I would spend thousands of dollars on other people. Why? Because growing up, that's what I saw. My mama and daddy would spend all of their money on us, but they didn't seem like they bought themselves a lot of things. And so because you because because you you they're doing the best they can do as parents, they're trying to provide. But me as a kid, I'm learning that it's OK to spend resources on others, but not yourself. I had to unlearn that. I had to unlearn that. I had to I had to learn that if I like something that cost five thousand dollars, it was OK for me to buy it. That it was OK for me to buy it. And, 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 and it didn't have to be that, oh, I had to need it. I could want it. Because God takes pleasure in my prosperity. And I, and, and, but if you don't retrain your thinking around those things, you can be hearing this gospel preached, but still living your life based on how you saw money come in and out of your life growing up. Let me tell you what I know for a fact is happening right now. Money ick is rising to the surface. You can feel, listen, and you got to let it come up so you can get it out. That money, it begins to come up and goes, well, it doesn't take all of that. I remember when, and, and if you're a part of FOC for any length of time, you're going to remember this. When Pastor Edwin wanted this bike yeah. and we got together and got him the money for the bike and he wouldn't buy the bike, he turned around and gave the money back to the church for the scholarship fund instead of buying the bike. Why? Now, you may... And, and, and it sounds noble, right? It sounds, it sounds noble. noble, but let's just be truthful. I did it because I could not force myself to spend $2,500 on a bike. I wanted the bike. The church got together, not out of the church's resources. They got together out of their own pocket and gave me the money. And the only thing I could think of doing that didn't feel grimy was to give the money to the scholarship fund. And that's what I did. And the Lord had to take me and walk me through why I did that. Did it, did it wasn't just a noble cause. It was because I was responding to money, how I saw it come in and out of my life growing up. No, I'll give you, you know, is this helping you guys? Because the truth of it is, is we prepare these notes and we study, but we come here expecting the Holy Spirit to tell us the thing that's going to get you free. We come here expecting the notes on this page are good, but what we need is we need that revelation where you go, aha, this is me. One of the things I talk about is you and Unika help me not to be an unhealthy giver. Yeah. I was an unhealthy giver. I literally felt guilty for being blessed. I felt guilty for having more resources than other people I knew, even when those other people wouldn't do yeah. what was necessary in order to be blessed. I cannot tell you how many times back we used to go. I don't know if y'all had this. We had a Ryan's mm -hmm. and we would go to Ryan's to eat even though we wanted to take our family somewhere else because I felt so guilty for the people who could not afford something better to for Sunday dinner. Even though you didn't like Ryan's. Even though I didn't. <laughs> you don't even know how many times I ate at Ryan's, even though I didn't just not like Ryan's. I couldn't stand Ryan's. I operated from an un healthy perspective because I felt, I want you to hear this. I felt guilty 
when I would teach people how to be blessed, they wouldn't do what needed to be blessed. They ended up in a crisis and I still felt guilty. How many of you know that was demonic? It was not noble. And one of the things that I had to learn is that when you have a when you have a jacked up mindset, when you have a poverty-based mindset, when you have a sin-conscious mindset, you will make God say stuff he didn't say. Yeah. That's true. And I spent a lot of years giving away money that God did not tell me to give away, but it came from what? Watching my grandmother do it. It came from being a kid and being, um, when people would say things like, you think you're better than us because you got a brick house. You think you're so much. And I didn't even realize that I was spending a lot of my life. That's why that point about understanding that people are going to talk about you is so important. That I was spending time doing things, trying to keep people from talking about me that were still talking about me. Yeah. And this is the truth. And, and, and if anybody who's close to me knows this. I could give those people everything. I could help them and rescue them time and time again. But the first time I said no, they talked about me like a dog. Yep. I, I, I'm just trying to help somebody. Anybody get delivered today? Listen, you got to get this foundation right and understand that there will be times that God will tell you to give. And there will be times that God will tell you to save. And there will be times that God will tell you that you can bless yourself as well. You have got to align your thinking with the kingdom. And we, when we were listening to those people teach about wealth, wealth, I thought this was so interesting. People literally do critique without any insight on what they're talking about. And we have all been guilty of this. We make some conversation, some speculation on what somebody should do and shouldn't do and have do. And I was listening to Jesse Duplantis, and this absolutely blew me away. He was saying, even though his ministry owns a plane that gets him, and he travels still like 247 times well, a year. Well, in fact, he's going to be in two, he's preaching in two different states today, and neither one of them is where he lives. Yes. Today. Today. And he was saying, but the thing that people don't know is that him and Kathy have paid for the jet fuel every place the plane has gone. They have personally, spent personally out their own not the pocket, ministry. not the ministry, because he said God blessed them and made them wealthy. So their seed is to pay for the jet fuel and that they added up the jet fuel and they had spent $10 million getting the plane to places to preach the gospel. Yeah. Now you just stop and think about how many times you've heard somebody make some flip comment about whether somebody needs a plane or whether somebody needs a house or whether somebody needs so-and-so and you have no idea the seed they have sown, the sacrifice they have made, how they have proven themselves faithful to God and why they've he, he's increased them. But you know what bugs me about this the most is that in the body, what really bugs me is that this is not the conversation you hear about celebrities being wealthy. Yeah. That if, if Christian, especially leaders, are wealthy, we got to be stealing something. We got to be taken from the people. We got to be acting inappropriately. But literally, we'll sit back and clap because a celebrity got a new 
30,000 square foot house and go, oh, this is so amazing. But I want you to think about where did you get that from? Demonic mindset. Yeah, and, I, and, that's, why, and that's why it doesn't bug me. Uh, that the, we, we say it all the time, the earth gone earth, the devil gone devil, and the world gone world. So I, I'm not, it doesn't bug me. What it does is it pushes me to want to teach this even more. Because if we ever expect the enemy to stop trying to get people to think that way. That's good. We're, it's never going to happen. Not to Jesus come back. He, if When we're not on our job, he's on his. And so the enemy is going to always be teaching people and seeing who he can use in order to make those kind of statements. So I don't spend my time being frustrated with that. It encourages me to say, okay, I need to do a better job and find other ways and more avenues to get this word out because I am convinced that more and more people want to hear this than don't. What happens is the, the smaller voices get magnified, the demonic voices get magnified, and then it gets all of us who should be teaching this frustrated and off of our guard. But we're not going to let the enemy knock us off our track. We're going to get in our lane. We're going to teach this all over the world. People are going to get set free. People are going to get delivered. People are going to receive their harvest. People are going to be distribution centers for the Lord. That's They're good. going to be called and have everything they need to do every good work that jesus has called them to and if that's you say that's me so then the other thing we talked about is what we got into last week we started talking about this really big topic about how we are not subject to the times somebody go ahead and type that in the comment section say i am not subject to the times what does that mean that means that we are not subject to and that we don't live under the 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 dominion rule, control, or the influence of whichever way the economy in the world system is going. In other words, we don't live under this influence that we can only prosper when the world says we can prosper. Come on. We don't only prosper based on the occupation that we hold. Our occupation is a resource, but it is not our source. And because it's not our source, Whenever we need something that our job can't provide, we don't look to our job to do it. We look to the source. We look to the source. And the source may have a multitude of other resources. One of the, one of the, one of the resources that we have is our seed. We have our seed. Now, the Bible says that the seed is the word of God. But we also understand that that word will prompt us to use our resources to produce additional resources. What do I mean? The Bible says that when we give, it's going to be giving back what? Press down, shaking together, and running over. He's going to have men, people, to give into our bosom, right? We don't know who those people are going to be. We don't know where it's going to come from. But what we do know is that God is not a man, that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should repent for anything. If he said it, it shall come to pass. So he says that when I sow, I can expect a harvest. So that is what my foundation is based on. And he didn't say that I could sow and I had to wait for 30 years to see it. I am not subject to the time. My faith allows me to supersede the time. Oh, that's good. My faith allows me to get what I wasn't supposed to get at the time. Think about it. You read your Bible and you see so many places where, where Jesus, Jesus first comes and, and, and he's talking about how he has come for the for for the for the for the Jews, he, he came for the the lost sheep of Israel. But then you find out that he didn't just come for them; he came for the Gentiles too. 
Why? Because he understood that there was a time in which he came for the Jews to preach that message, but he also understood that, hey, they ain't the only one who need it. The whole world needs it. We talked last week about the Seraphonician woman. She was asking for, for healing or, or, or healing what, for, her for her daughter. And when she asked for the healing, Jesus says, no, I'm sorry. You're a Seraphonician woman. I didn't come for you right now. I am here for the lost sheep of Israel. I am here for the Jews. And she said, truth, Lord. She says, but even a dog, because he told her, he said, it's not good for, for, for me to give uh, meat, give meat, the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. She said, but even a dog, even a dog will eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Her faith in who he was so motivated him that her faith stepped her out of time. She wasn't supposed to be able to receive healing for her daughter until Jesus had went to the cross. It wasn't available for her then. But her faith superseded the natural time she was in, and Jesus reached into time and gave her what she needed. Well, I read that Jesus is no respecter of persons. That's what I read. And so because I read that Jesus is no respecter of persons, if the Seraphonician woman's faith can supersede time, then my faith will allow me to supersede time. I am not bound by time. Somebody ought to say that. I am not bound by time. And then after you say that, somebody ought to say, preach Pastor Strick. No, I'm not bound by time. I'm not bound by time. And then I told you this because this, I just saw this. Um, and I told you this, I think it was yesterday or Friday. And I was saying for you, I don't know about y'all, but you, I'll have these questions that I have before the Lord. And I'm like, it's something in scripture. And I don't really, I know it's something there. I don't understand. And this is the, the miracle of the wine. And, um, you know, Jesus is with the disciples at a wine, at, at, at a wedding. His mother comes to him and says, hey, they are out of wine. And basically, Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? It is not my time. She turns and tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So for years, I always was like, okay, Jesus said it wasn't his time. Why did Jesus move? Was it because that's his mama? And the Old Testament says that there is a promise for honoring your mother and your father. And Friday, I was sitting in my office and I was reading that story, asking the Lord about it. And he said, Jesus had to respond to her faith. She came to him with the need. She said, Jesus, this family, and you got to understand, it's not like the day we live in now. It was a big deal for a Jewish family to run out of wine at a wedding. It was a huge deal. And so much so that they served the best wine first. So that when people had had their full, they could serve the bad wine and they wouldn't even know it because they were so full. Yes. So it was a big deal to run out of wine. So the first recorded miracle that we can see of Jesus was a, a, a miracle of meeting a financial need. And it was a miracle of abundance. The scripture says that he took 20, they took what, 10 to 15 of those pots that were 20 to 30 gallons full. And he made the wine because they did what he told them to do. And the wine was so good that the, the person, the governor of the, the, the governor that oversaw the wedding came and said, most people say they're, they use their best at first, but you have saved the best for last. We really need to expand our thinking. 
God has more for us and he wants us to be a blessing, but a broke people can't be a blessing. And don't miss the lesson in that. The lesson in that was Jesus said, what does that have to do with me? It's not yet my time. But she says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. In other words, she says, I know that you have the ability to do this. So Jesus had to respond to her faith, even though it wasn't time. You preaching good today. Do you, do you understand that? Your faith will cause your harvest to come even when the natural world says it's not time. Oh, that's good. Your faith will reach, as Bill Winston says, into the fourth dimension and will pull what is available for you into this dimension, even though this dimension says it's not available for you until 15 years from now. But your faith will reach beyond those 15 glory to God. Your faith hey. will reach beyond those 15 years and pull what belongs to you 15 years from now into your right now because your faith is not bound by time. You better hear what I'm about to say. So how are you going to pay off a 30-year mortgage in 15 you're years? Gonna use your you're going to use your faith and you're going to reach, reach into beyond 30 years from now that 30 and years. pull it back into Because in the bank. fourth dimension, your home is already paid for. In the fourth dimension, your kid's college is already paid for. In the fourth dimension, those car notes you're concerned about is already paid for. You need to use your faith and reach beyond the limitations of this natural world. Reach beyond your job. Reach beyond your retirement. Reach beyond a lottery. Reach beyond some natural system. And you need to partner with God and reach into that next dimension and pull and receive what's already been done. How did Peter walk on water? He reached into a different dimension. He reached into a different dimension. He says to Jesus, he really sets Jesus up. He says to Jesus, he says, if it's you, bid me come. I think you said that on Wednesday mm -hmm. night. And Jesus, because he cannot deny himself. See, Peter's faith was in Jesus. Mary's faith was in Jesus. My faith cannot be in my credit score. It cannot be in what is in my account. It cannot be in what they have promised me on the job. My faith is in Jesus, in his word. He is my source. And Peter walks on water and he only begins to see when he takes his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off the fourth dimension and started looking at this natural realm. The third dimension. And while he looked at this natural realm in this 3D realm, he started to see because the wind was already blowing. The waves were already crashing. But he was so focused on Jesus, he wasn't thinking about the wind. He wasn't thinking about the waves. And he said, Jesus, is that you? If it be you, bid me to come. He said, well, boy, it's me. Come on. So Peter starts walking on the water. He's focused on this fourth dimension. He is, he's, de he's denying the laws of physics. And he's walking on water. And then he begins to take his eyes off the fourth dimension and looks into the third dimension. And the third dimension says, boy, you ain't supposed to be doing this yeah listen you, better you get ain't excited. supposed to be walking on water and these waves that are crashing and these winds that are blowing they're going to destroy you and the bible says that jesus had to reach from the fourth dimension into the third dimension and grab his hand and stop him from sinking 
If you live your life only looking at this third dimension, you're going to sink. Now, I want y'all to really understand what the third dimension is because we're not talking Marvel and DC. No. The third dimension is what you can see and perceive. With your senses. With your senses. This natural so, realm. So understand when you begin to decree and declare, my house is paid off. When you begin to decree and declare, I'm given a $10,000 scholarship. When you begin to decree and declare, I'm helping Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean take the gospel around the world. When you begin to decree and declare that, the enemy's going to come with storm. That storm is going to look like bills. It's going to look like unexpected expenses. It's going to look like needs. Your needs hey, it, may, it, needs. May, it may look like a layoff. It may look like a loss of a job. It may look like, like all kinds of things, a sickness. But don't get discouraged and don't look at the waves. Don't, don't look at the wind. Tell your neighbor, stop looking at the waves. Stop looking at the and waves. Say, somebody type this in the comment section. Say it's all wind and waves. It's, it's all winning, it's just all it's winning, just winning waves. waves. It's just winning waves. We're not bothered by the wind or the waves. So do you see why you have to grow up? And this takes some time to grow into because you have been taught to live by what you can see. Mm -hmm. You have been taught to live by what you can feel. So now then Jesus comes and says, no, I don't want you to live by what you see. I don't want you to live by what you feel. I don't want you to live by what you can perceive. I want you to live by what I said. Mm -hmm. Guys, that is why we got to grow up. Because really what Bernita Lee said That's is right. all it's, smoke it's and mirrors. mirrors. It's, it's smoke, smoke and, mirrors. and mirrors. And the, this is what I was it's saying, which is why go back and listen to Pastor Edward talk about optimism. Because it's not enough to get on here. You got to say to the bill when you get off here mm -hmm. and get an unexpected, you got to say, Bill, I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. I call you paid off. Ever since we've been believing God for total debt freedom, every time I walk past my car, every time I go in the garage, I say, car, you already paid for it in Jesus name. I'm pulling into this realm. I know when it could be paid for if I just pay it naturally, but that's not what I'm interested in. You've got to train yourself to say what God is saying about your situation. You got to break up with saying, I don't know how we go pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to ever afford to go to a huddle. I don't know how I'm going to give to the scholarship fund. It ain't enough money for vacation. It's no way I can tithe and do this. And you got to start saying what God is saying about your situation. Which is that you can do all things through Christ. Christ who strengthens you. Why? Because God has given you the authority through his word. He's giving you authority through the blood of Jesus. You have the ability to partner with God and do everything that God has told you you can do. There are no limitations to you doing the things that God has told you to do. Now, hear what I say. I didn't say there weren't limitations. I said there are no limitations to you doing the things that God has called you to. Because whatever God calls you to, not only does he qualify you to do it, but he gives you the resources to get it done. And so you have to know that. And so last week, that's what we were talking about. That's kind of what we ended. We ended with this idea that God has given us authority. Well, what is the authority that God has given us? Well, this is the thing we want to talk about today. He, God has given us faith to bring his will into the earth. He's given us faith. He's given us faith. He has given us faith. And we know what faith is. And do you know one of the manipulations of the enemy to get people to say they don't have faith? Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says he has given every born again believer the measure the. of faith. And, and, and listen, and someone asked me, and I was talking to them in Messenger, they said, why do you and Pastor Sean stress the instead of saying a? Well, and, I, and this is the way the Lord gave me to explain it to them, and I'll explain it to you, because I do believe that words matter. Words matter. And so it says he has given to each of us the measure of faith, okay? If you say a measure of faith, well, a measure of faith is like having a bunch of apples. They're all apples, but none of those apples are the exact same size. That's good. They don't have the exact same volume. They don't have the exact same shape. They're all apples, but not, but 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 some apples are slightly bigger. Some are slightly smaller. Some are more oval. Some are more circular. That that's a apple. But when it says that he has given us the measure of faith, that means the same faith, the exact same faith Jesus used, is the faith that we have. There is no there is no variation. Glory, hallelujah. And when I said it, I think they they understood it. They said, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not giving he didn't give us a apple, he gave us the apple. He didn't, he didn't give us oh, a he didn't good. give us a measure of faith, he gave us the measure. So, what is the measure? The same measure that Jesus had that says that Jesus recorded so many miracles that we wouldn't have the ability to record them all. That is the faith that we have. Now, I want you to think about this. If he did not give you the measure of faith, then his request is unjust. It'd be unjust. He asked you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But if he your faith you, was a little different, then how could you do it? You might could do it, but I couldn't do it. So that's why he couldn't give us a measure. He had to give us the, the measure. measure of faith. So if you have ever said... I don't have faith and you're a born again believer, you need to repent for that yeah. because the enemy is using your words against you to delay believe bringing harvest into your life. How many of you can see? I was so convinced. And when, we say, and when we say repent, it's not about saying, oh, I'm so sorry. It's to change your thinking on it. When you repent, you change your thinking. Lord, I will never say again, I don't have faith. I got thee. Measure, I got of the faith. measure of faith. I got this, and it, it's not sacrilegious to say it. I got the same faith that Jesus has. The same faith, because God gave me the same measure that Jesus had when He was in the earth. All you got to do is stop and think about it. How could you fulfill the mandate God calls you to if you did not have the measure of faith? Mm -hmm. How could you do it? How could you lay hands on the sick? How could you cast out devils? How could you raise the dead? How could you multiply resources? How could you do it if you didn't have the thing Jesus used to do it? I, it's, it, I, I literally just saw in my mind a massive group of people going, oh, I have the measure of faith. That's right. You have the measure of faith. Same faith that Jesus has. That's why the Bible says, as Jesus is, so are we where? In this world. In this world. How can we be just like Jesus in this world if we didn't have the same measure of faith? I need you to put this in the comment. 
I need you to put elevate in the comment. <laughs> I think somebody just elevated. If you just elevated, listen, you got to change your thinking to change your life. I have the measure of faith. That's why I have confidence when I lay hands on the sick. That's why I have confidence when I send the word. That's why I have confidence when I tell my bills that they will obey me. That's why I have confidence when I call my harvest in. I keep hearing the Lord say this. He was saying, uh, he was talking about, you are snared by the words of your mm -hmm. mouth. So what the enemy wants us to do, which is what we're elevating out of, is he wants us to hear good teaching and then leave and say stuff that contradicts the teaching. He wants us to do that so we can live in a perpetual state of frustration. He wants us to hear that we should experience kingdom wealth. And then he wants so much storm and smoke and mirrors to come that we spend the whole week speaking against. But I think some people just elevated. Amen. I think some partners just went to another level and said, oh, I see you, devil. I see you. This week, I was so convicted. And the Lord said to me, he said, Sean, you don't solve problems talking about the problem. Mm -hmm. You solve problems talking about the solution. You don't solve the problems. And I, I, I can see in these areas, which goes back to what you said, which is why our younger kids have had a different experience than our older kids, mm -hmm. right? I can see where there are these areas that I have grown up in, but I can also see these areas where the Lord is like, Sean, you need to guard your mouth here. Sean, Sean, you need to come into agreement with me. Why? Isaiah 55 says it like this. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My worries are higher than your ways. What we have been taught to do is we keep trying to pull God down into our ways, which is third dimension living. And God is like, no, no, baby, you come up here. That's why the Bible tells us we are seated in heavenly places because you cannot solve your problems at the level they were created on. So God says, come into your rightful place and let me give you the wisdom that you need so that you can do what I have called you to do. My God today. You know, the scripture that you just quoted, there, Isaiah I, 55. I, I love it because if you actually read underneath it, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Just pull it up. My way, yeah. See if you can pull it up. Because I want to, I, I want to read if we can. Isaiah fifty was it Isaiah fifty five. Isaiah fifty five. I think it starts about verse ten, verse eleven. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go I, to the King James. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Are y'all yeah. getting something from this? Because I want you to see something because you said it, but I don't think a lot of times people realize it when when they when they when they quote that. Let me go to King James. Uh, see if y'all can pull that up for okay. me. Isaiah, you want me to read it or you want to read it? Let, let me see it. Thank you. I think you want to start right there. Is where I All think right. So, so here we are. It's Isaiah uh, 55, verse 8. Isaiah 55, 8. Now, listen to this. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's that that's that dimension we're talking about. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud. 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Then he says in verse 12, for ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. He said, instead of the thorn shall come up the fig tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, here's the thing. Why would he tell us our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts if he tells us we're going to do all that? He says that because he's saying you're not that person. You're not the one whose ways are not my ways. When you're born again, your ways are his ways. Your thoughts are his thoughts. He says, when you were unregenerated in your, in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, when you were born into sin, your ways were not my ways. Your thoughts were not my thoughts. You couldn't, you couldn't comprehend heaven because you, all, you only live in this three-dimensional realm. He says, but now that you are born again, he says, let me explain to you what you ought to be expecting. You ought to be expecting mountains to move. You ought to be you ought to be expecting uh, when 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 the when the shrubs were only growing. Now fig trees are growing. When the briar was growing, but now now a myrtle tree is growing. You 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 ought to be expecting to live at a different dimension. Why? Because now your ways are his ways. Now your thoughts are his thoughts. That's why we say you have to immerse yourself, glory to God, in the word of God. Because when you immerse yourself in the word of God, then you take on the characteristics of the word. So then when the world says that you ought to be doing something this way, you're like, no, no, no. This is heaven's way to do it. So now I'm responding to a fourth dimensional way of thinking. And then as a result, I'm receiving a fourth dimensional harvest. Does that make sense to anybody? Because when I heard you say that, that's what, that's, what, that's, that's what Holy Spirit said to me. No, because what happens is, is that being born again gives us a yeah. potential we did yes, not have absolutely. before. So now my job, which is why Romans says to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's also why the Bible says you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Mm -hmm. So you got born again in this world, but you're no longer of, of this, this world. world. That means you have to go back and pick up the Genesis mandate mm -hmm. yes. that you're created in the image of God and you are created That's to be it. fruitful. You are created to multiply. You are created to replenish. You are created to subdue and you are created for dominion. Now, let me tell you how this is going to change your perspective. When you still operate from the third dimensional mindset and your account gets low and you don't know that you are called for replenishment, you think you're stuck because your account got low. Somebody ought to put, I'm not stuck. I don't, listen, I'm telling you, you, you ought to, I don't care what you're doing. You ought to scream it. You ought to say it. You ought to type it. You ought to write it. You ought to say, I am not stuck. I am not stuck. And I don't have to be stuck in this third dimension when I got resources in the fourth. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Not, I'm not stuck. Let's go back. I am not stuck. If you want to know God's plan, all you got to do is read Genesis 1, 
chapter one and two and the last two chapters of Revelation. It tells you what we were created for. Everything in between has been to get us back to that point. So we lost the ability to be the Genesis man mm -hmm. when we sinned because we sold ourselves into bondage with the enemy. Jesus said, I don't like that. I'm coming to get y'all. Yes. You get saved so you're born again so you can be who you were always designed to be. Jesus was not a new plan. Jesus is a continuation of what God always desired, which was a people that looked like him, moved like him, walked like him. So then God says, now that you're born again, this is what I want you to do when it's dark and chaotic. I want you to do what you saw your daddy do in Genesis 1. You speak to the situation and you say, light come. Not we so broke, we don't know what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah. And to, to be that's to, good to, to be a Genesis man says I was built to be fruitful. I was built to multiply. I was built to replenish. I was built to subdue. I was built to have dominion. That's what it means to be a Genesis man, which is why the Bible says that when Jesus came, he came and he was the last Adam. It, the first Adam got us into something. The last Adam got us out. The of, last Adam got us out and got us back to Eve. That's what Jesus was. The Bible called him the last Adam. The last Adam put us back where we would have been had there been no sin. And now my responsibility, mm. but see, I got to renew my mind because as long as I live in third dimension thinking, lack and circumstances and situations is my reality. I, is my reality. Yeah. And I want you to see it because I know I've been guilty of it. You look around, you see all the problems of the world. You say, what in the world are we going to do about this? I am designed to be a solution. I am designed to be fruitful. I am designed to multiply. I am designed to replenish. Somebody ought to be speaking to their accounts right now and say, I got seed in the ground. I know you heard me replenish in Jesus name you are too comfortable in a level of living that doesn't belong to you anymore and, and people say well how am I supposed to do that well here's the next thing we want to talk about God has given us seed time and harvest to prosper us I have a way in which I get to partner with God to cause this fourth dimension reality to come back into my life the Bible says in Luke 6 38 it says give and it shall be given unto you good measure Press down, shaking together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. God has a master plan to cause me to partner with him and to allow that fourth dimension reality to be in play in my life, even while I live in this third dimension. And let me say this. A third dimension mindset will never consistently solve. A third dimension mindset is going to miss the opportunity to position themselves to live above the time. A third dimension mindset is I'll give if I have it to give. Mm -hmm. Not I'll give because the Lord told me to give. Mm -hmm. See, a fourth dimension mindset, and, and, and you got to think about Teach, think about how Teach. this fourth dimensional mindset works. You all know the story about the woman who had a need. The Bible says that the creditors was coming to get her children. They were, they were coming to take her kids from her because her husband died in debt. And she went to the man of God and she says, what am I supposed to do? I, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Because they're coming to get my kids. If they come to get my kids, then my kids can't work. And then I'm going to be below poverty. I already don't have anything. And so then the, they asked, they said, well, what do you have? 
because what she had was in her third dimension. She said, what do you have? I have some pots. He says, get as many pots as you can get. Oh. Well, she had to get the pots first. He said, get, get as many pots as you can get. Gather all those pots in your house. And when you do, he said, close the door. He said, and begin to pour the oil. And the Bible says she started pouring oil and she filled up one. She poured oil and she filled up another. She poured oil and she filled up another. And she kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring until finally the oil didn't stop. She ran out of pots. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The oil didn't stop. The pots, what she had in the third dimension ran out. The pots ran out, not the oil. Now ask yourself, where did the oil come from? Where did the oil come from? Say lot. Now, just to make it easy for you, when we're talking about the fourth dimension, we're only talking about heaven. Talking about heaven. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about heaven. This woman has oil. It's not enough oil to do anything with. No. But she has something in the third dimension. She has pots. He tells her, go borrow the pots. From everybody you can. To pour the oil. What does he do? He starts multiplying the oil. Where is he multiplying the oil from? From heaven. The fourth dimension. He's multiplying the oil from heaven. It's you why the oil doesn't run out, but the pots do. She runs out of pots before she... I wish y'all would hear this. She runs out of pots before she runs out of oil. The oil kept flowing. If she had it went and got more pots, the oil would have kept going. Because you cannot bankrupt God. Because you cannot bankrupt God. God would have, that, that oil could have still been flowing today if she had enough pots. It would have kept on flowing. And then what did God tell her to do? He says, take this, sell it, use it for supernatural debt cancellation. Pay off the debt that they were going to Come and get your kids for. He says, and then what? Live, Live off, off the, the rest. rest. Live off the rest. Live off the rest. Live off the rest. Live, Live off the rest. Live now, off the rest. you can see Jesus do this. You see Jesus do this. There are some people following Jesus. They have been following Jesus. And the disciples come to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, send these people to the town so they can get something to eat. Jesus says, uh-uh, we go feed them. The dude, the guys say, even if we had a place to buy bread, we don't have enough money to feed all of them. Somebody goes and finds a fish sandwich. I like to say they went to Long John Silver. They found a boy with a snack meal. And the boy comes, brings his dinner to Jesus. Jesus says, tell them to sit down. If you read the story, the Bible tells us something very specific. It says that Jesus looked up to heaven and he began to give thanks as he break it. He took something from the third dimension. But where is he looking toward? Heaven. Because heaven multiplies what you have in the third dimension. So you look at, you're looking for resources other than heaven to be your source. As long as he's looking to heaven breaking. There's more than enough. The Bible says he fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Not counting the women and children. The Lord said, some of you will see supernatural provision in your bills if you look up. You don't look up. You look at the account. You look at the budget. That, and, and when your head is down, you can't see heaven. You got to look up. 
You got to spiritually be looking toward the heavens you, for your you look up. for your supply. And I was thinking about this because we have this own testimony in our lives. This is my favorite one of the testimonies. It was when we first made the decision that we were going to tithe no matter what. Mm -hmm. That was in 20, that was in 1999. Going into 2000. When we first decided we were going to tithe no matter what. And I'll never forget, we took those bills out. And we prayed over those bills. We laid hands over those bills. We said, Lord, we don't know how to pay these bills to get all of this thing done. And as we were sitting there, you would say, I believe the Lord say, pay this bill next. And I would say, babe, I believe the Lord say he would pay this bill next. And when we got through, we had managed to pay all of the bills. And what we had like $28 left or something like mm -hmm. that. We got $28 left for another two weeks. Two weeks. Right? So the first thing that happens is we go to pay daycare. And when I take the check in, they say, you don't owe us. You got a two-week credit. Yeah. I will forever say this. If you've ever paid daycare, you know I'm telling the truth. You ain't never had no credit in daycare and you didn't know it because daycare, whatever generation you in, it daycare was, is a whatever lot Whatever generation you in, daycare is expensive. Daycare is expensive. You have never accidentally overpaid daycare. We had, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. Because that was money we was counting on paying, which was why we would have had the $28. Which was, but we didn't have to pay that. That came back into the budget. And I was thinking about it. If I'm not mistaken, it was $80 a week. Mm -hmm. So it was like $160. Mm -hmm. Now we got $160 plus $28. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if she ever knew it until we first started preaching this. Then your mama comes by. Your mama said, I was at the grocery yep. store and I just felt like I should buy y'all some groceries. Mm -hmm. And she literally came and bought all of the basics that we needed for we two weeks. Conway, right? We were in yep. Conway. Yep. She bought milk. She bought cereal. She bought lunch meat. She bought chips. She bought some chicken because if a black mom brings some food, they're going to bring you some chicken that you can cook. And she, so now we got food. Plus the $28 or whatever that amount was, plus the daycare mm -hmm. money, right? And we just, what, what is God doing? He is honoring that we're looking to Him. He's supplying from the fourth he dimension. He is supplying from the fourth dimension. Because you got to understand when we talk about the fourth dimension, we ain't talking about you walking down the street and a bag of money fall from heaven. You, you, you can't be, you can't think of it in those terms. When God supplies, He may use someone in the third dimension. To supply you, but it came from the fourth. But it came from the fourth dimension. It always comes from heaven. Tell your neighbor, say it always comes from heaven. Mm -hmm. And then I, I love this testimony because we're so committed. And now we know that in order to be faithful over our tithe, that we cannot, that we cannot afford to buy our family Christmas Because presents. we made the decision we hadn't missed the tithe since. We would never rob God again. That We, we, would, we that saw ourselves as God robbers. And because we saw ourselves as God robbers, we knew that there could not be a financial blessing that lived on our life. And we made the decision that no matter what we had to go through, we, we made the decision that if we had to sit in the, in the house with lights off and candles on, we were never going to rob God again. And to this day, to this day, to this day we have not missed a time. We have not missed not, a time. We have never missed we a time. We have not missed a time. And so we made a decision that we weren't going to buy anybody anything for Christmas. We told our adult family we was prepared for Taylor not to get anything. Yeah. And Shantae's mom, yeah. who didn't, Shantae didn't know this, no. and Shantae's mama didn't know this. 
She said, I feel like I'm supposed to buy all of Taylor's Christmas gifts. Give me a list of her stuff and I will buy all. And she bought everything, everything. on Taylor's list. Every, and some there was stuff. not one thing on that list. And, and some stuff that wasn't and on the list. And some stuff that wasn't on that. And that really, and if you, it, it's just, you go from faith to faith to glory to glory. Now, it's New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve, and we are at Bishop T.D. Jake's church. And I know you've heard this, but don't get tired of testimonies. And he says, I want everybody to give a dollar for however old you are, right? So at the time, I think you're 28, I'm 28, Taylor's five, and I'm pregnant with Chase. He said, I want you to write down on the envelope what you are believing for. And I said, I am believing God to be in a house by next Christmas. They said, I put my faith with yours. Let me tell you something. There is power in partnership mm -hmm. because I don't know that either one of us knew that it was possible to get a house, but we decided to believe God. It was a desire in our heart that he had given us to be homeowners. And all we knew to do was to believe God. Was to believe God. That's all we knew to do. Now, we had a bunch of stuff on our credit because like many of you, we went to college. We we lived. We, we got, got how we, we got. We got it. them water bottles and them Frisbees that they offered you with them free credit cards. And, and, and that's how we lived. And, we lived off credit cards. And that's how we lived. So now it's December. It's, it, we've now gone into January 1st of 2000 mm -hmm. and so we're just we saying every day god we thank you for a house or every time we think of it we probably but we're not missing a time we're not missing a time that's what we're not and doing we're learning how to sew we're not missing a time and we are learning how and to we sew. are learning how yeah. to sew and then and, and, and let me be transparent during that time we would have conversations with each other and say should we sew this or should we be saving this you know i mean because i want to be transparent with you it's not like we just blew through this and this was easy we would the, the Lord would be like, I want you to sow two hundred dollars into X, Y, and Z, and, and for that, for us, that was a lot of money. We was like, do we really do that, or or should we put this two hundred dollars in the savings account so we can get this house we believe in for? And we was like, well, do we believe our savings account, or do we trust God? So we'd be hearing word about sowing seed, and so we would take it and we would obey God. And that's what you're gonna have to do. Sometimes you're gonna have. Not sometimes. You're going to have to obey God even when it's not making natural sense. Do you know what you used to say all the time? And this was well before we ever heard anybody say if it's not a if it's not a um, if it doesn't meet the need, so uh -huh. to see. When we would be like, babe, should we save this money or should we sow it? You would say something like, girl, that $200 that, ain't going to buy no house. That $200 ain't going to buy, no buy no house. That $200 going to do so much good in the ground than it will over here in this savings account making five cents in six months. And I'll never forget this. So it's now you're working in Little Rock. Yep. Somebody say testify. You're working in Little Rock. Yep. And, and, and you get an opportunity to come back to Northwest Arkansas yep. making significantly more yep. than you are. Yep. And, and we're still thinking about this house. But at the point, we still can't buy a house. So we have to move into an apartment. Y'all, yep. as we were growing, we had just paid off this furniture we had bought when we lived in conway over there on cross point or whatever it was we had just bought 
brand new furniture, and the Lord allowed us to pay it off. We, we paid it off. We were and so and we had paid it. Was, we, listen, y'all, and that was back in the day when you bought the whole suit. When you bought, we had the, <laughs> the couch, lamp, the lamps, the, we had the, the couch, the, the, the love seat, the, the chair table. with the ottoman. Yeah. We had the table, the end table, the coffee table. The pillows came the with pillow it. The pillow came with it, and and you were at work. And we were get, we knew we were you had gotten a job in Northwest Arkansas, and we knew that you were we were coming back up here, and we knew that we couldn't buy a house yet, and we were moving into an apartment. But, but we were excited because we had our furniture when we got we got ready for our house. But this but is, but this is how you go as far as your faith will take yeah. you. I don't even know why they did this for us. If you think about it, they let us do a six month lease. Yeah. We back you back you weren't supposed to be able to do a six month lease. But this one apartment complex let us do a six-month lease. Yeah. I called you. I said, babe, I said, listen, I believe the Lord said to sew our furniture. You was like, what furniture? I was like, the furniture in the living room. I think I said, you mean the furniture we just paid off? You probably did. I think I did. I said, yes, I believe the Lord told us to sew this furniture. And here's what you got to know. You have to, you need to do life with someone who you trusted God in them. Because here's what I said to her. I said, I don't know if the Lord told us to do that or not. I didn't hear that, but I trusted God in you. But here's what I need you to know. We are not going out and buying more furniture. If the Lord said that we are to give all of this furniture away, then he's going to have to provide for the furniture. And I said, are you okay with that? And you said, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So I called the person that tells that the Lord tells me, I say, the Lord told me, to give you the furniture. She starts crying. She says she had been saying to the Lord, she was ashamed for people to come to her house because her furniture was in such bad shape. And she was like, Lord, you know, we don't have the money. So we gave them the furniture. All of it. All of it. Somebody Tables, say all lamps, of it. Pillars. So we move couch, into this apartment <laughs> and all we got is the two bar stools and an office chair at the time. The two bar stools that came with the place. The two bar stools that come with in it, right? Office chair. And we don't have the money. And then we, at the time, we had, start, we had started pastoring church before you got the job. Mm -hmm. So we had a few people at our church. One of the ladies that come here, she was working on her doctorate. She had some new furniture and she found out we didn't have a couch because somebody said that we didn't have a couch in our mm -hmm. house. So she gave us a couch. But it was like a couch from the 1970s oh, or the 80s. It was like a black couch that it looked like a, neon. It looked stripes. like confetti had thrown yes. up on the couch, yes. right? So we thank God for the couch, but the couch was ugly, right? Baby, we it was so a, ugly. We put a blanket. We put a blanket over, over and the tucked couch. that couch and in and all of that different <laughs> stuff. And then it was, I'll never forget, it was November. Yeah. It was November before Thanksgiving. And the Lord, I was sitting there. I had let, we, we, our whole life was sewing at this point. Yeah. I didn't even have a car at home because I was giving somebody else my car to drive to work every day. So we were living with one car, even though we had two cars. And so I was sitting there on the computer, chasing with sleep. And the Lord said, I thought you wanted a house by Christmas. And I started to tell the Lord about how our credit still hadn't improved. And the Lord said, you at least got to apply. You got to, you got to give gotta God something apply. to work with. And I said, okay, so I opened up my computer and I was about to apply online. He said, no, I want you to apply where you bank it. So I was about to call the main branch. He said, no, I want you to call the branch up the street. 
I called a branch up the street. I asked to speak to somebody in more. Y'all ought to be saying testify. Listen, let me tell you something. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Somebody needs to hear this testimony. Baby, listen, I called up there and I, they transferred me to the mortgage company. At the time, only Pastor Edwin was Pastor Edwin. And somebody, and she said, is this Sister Strickland? Y'all now was shamed. And I was shamed because I knew we didn't have good credit. She said, I know this is God. She said, this is my last day in this position. And if you get up here now, I guarantee you that my mortgage lender will get you financed. Y'all, I ain't even have a car because I had let somebody use my car. I had to call a girl who went to our church, say, can you watch Chase? And can I use your car to go to the bank? Y'all, I went to the bank in fear and trembling on a word from the Lord. Somebody say fear and trembling on a word from the Lord. And we was doing so good. And then she said, can I get your, can I get your social security number? And I went, well, this one is going to go bad for us. I but gave you go her, as far as your faith attention. But I gave her our social security number. And she ran the credit. And we kept talking. And she said, I don't know why you think you can't get a mortgage. She said, you approved for $125,000. I said, can we go get a house by Christmas? She said, you can go, but you got to pick fast. You got to find a house fast. I got in the car. I drove up to your job, and I walked in to see you. You were so shocked to see me. And I said, babe, guess what? I had to give me a piece of paper. I said, babe, we just got pre-approved for a mortgage. And what you say? I don't even remember what I said. You said, girl. Ain't nobody pre-approved us for no mortgage. Mm. Ain't nobody even let us buy no gun. Mm. And I slid you the paper and you was like, we about to get a house. I won't go through all the details about the house. Right. Just know that we had to search and search and search and find the house. And we had one more day. We had to make a decision by that Monday. And we drove through the neighborhood we really wanted to live in. And as we was driving through the neighborhood that we really wanted to live in, one of the teachers, Kim Pierce, happened to be standing outside. And she said, what are you doing here? Because it was an assistant principal at her school. And she, I, we said, we're looking for a house. We got to pick by Monday. She said, come in and see my house and tell me if you like it. We were like walking behind her going, is she about to sell us our yeah, house? Gonna sell we will sell her house. We go in and we go, oh, my God, this house is perfect. This is the house we have been looking for. She said, well, the house next, next to door. me is brand new, even though it doesn't have a sign. And I know the builder and I know where the key is. She went and got the key, opened the house. We walked through it. Was it. Perfect. She said, do you want this house? Y'all know she ain't got nothing to do with this story. She ain't got no control over <laughs> right. she don't make this no house. Commission or nothing. She said, do you want this house? I said, this is the house. She said, let me call the builder. She called him. His name was John, John DeWeese. DeWeese. John DeWeese got up on a Saturday morning. A builder. A builder. And before, before our realtor could get there. Now, I want you to hear this. Why did we include the realtor in the deal? It was an issue of integrity. Because she had been helping us. Because she had been helping us. And could we have saved some money if we cut her out the deal? She actually didn't do anything for right. the deal. Right. But the Lord said to us, she had been faithful in helping us. And I don't us. think we had a signed contract with her. We were just working. She was just helping us. She was just helping us. 
and we let her work the deal. Yeah. Now, she almost got kicked out the deal because we were telling her the stuff to ask John for, and she was saying, she was don't. But how many of y'all know our faith was on 100 at this point? Baby, at this point, we like, we need blinds. This we house brand fence. new. We, we, we need a fence. <laughs> yeah. Baby, listen, we asked for all of it, and he did it all. And we bought that house for one twenty one five. Yep. 121.5. We then had a little it's issue. probably worth about 300-something now. It's probably worth about 300-something <laughs> now. She, we then ended up in a situation where they told us we weren't going to be able to close because it was an engineering problem. I said, we closed on this house. We go be in this house on Christmas Day. This the house we're going to be yep. in. Why? Because you go as far as your faith can take you. And you. what happens is you got to get so full of what God said that what's happening out here is irrelevant to you. And that engineer came, they fixed that beam, and we took the last appointment, last appointment. the Friday before Christmas. Yep. That Christmas was that Monday, and I believe it was the 21st or the 22nd, I think it was, and we closed on that house. And I think this is the part of testimony we've never told. And we walked away with cash. We did. Walked and we walked away with cash. Yeah. We walked away with cash. Because we used the cash to buy some furniture. And you got the bonus from <laughs> your job. You got the bonus from my job. And that's how we re that's how we replenish the furniture. How come that stuff on our one on our credit? Somebody say fourth, fourth dimension. Fourth dimension. Where did that engineer come from when everybody else was backed up? Fourth dimension. The fourth dimension. Where did John do that house was hiding in plain sight for us? Didn't have a sale sign or anything on it. for us. Yes. I want to tell you, there's some things that are hidden for you. Now we getting ready to get out of here. I just want to read one part of the prophetic word to y'all, not the whole thing from July, but I just I, I, I just want to read one part of it, right? Just one part of it. I am prepared to give houses. Land, silver, gold, businesses, and more to those who will look to me, not at what is logical. Mm -hmm. Many of your good plans are logical, and I will bless them. But I am the God of more than enough, and I would love to do more to for do you. More. Just walk with me by faith. I, I have more. He has more for you. Now, I'm just telling you. If he you has more for baby, you. Baby, if you ain't saved, I know you want to be saved. He has more. I know you don't want to be out here living raggedy in this world system subject to the times. I know if you a backslider right now, you like, oh, daddy, I need to come home. Daddy, I sure want to come home. Baby, he has you more. Get up and you need to come on home. But to all of our partners, we are believing for fourth dimension heart. And listen, people ask us, you know, we say all the time that we have 100% tithers. I am telling you, everything she talked about in that testimony and everything we have experienced in our life, I am telling you, it started with a decision to never miss a tithe. It started with a That's decision. That's where it started. You, you people say, well, I want what you have. Then you got to do what we did. There's there's no other way to do that. We do not miss giving God a dime of every dollar that He brings to us. If if we get a dollar, God getting a dime of it. Believe that. We we, we and and you got to get to the places you don't care what your family say, you don't care what your friends say, you don't care what you say that you are going to be a tither. 
And then beyond that, you're going to stretch and start asking God to show you who and where to sow into, because that is how you cause this fourth dimensional harvest to come into your life. You got to use what's in the 3D to give God something to work with. The woman used pots. OK, you can use your seed, your money. Why? Because because if, if, Jesus I mean, used fish. Jesus. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm telling you that that you've got to make that decision. You've got to make the decision that you don't miss your time. And then you got to speak to your situation. You got to speak to it. You got to speak to it. And your not situation. from the third dimensional reality. You got to speak to that thing. You got to say, though, you got to declare those things that be not as though they are. You got to be saying what the what heaven has said about your situation. Amen. Amen. We all blessed today. Tell us your big takeaway. Who is your opportunity to give? I'm Amen. so excited to give. I am too. I'm so excited to give because it allows me to live. Pastor Edwin and I, at first, you know, everybody know this. This, I mean, our church is called Champion, so y'all, y'all know that we um competitive, right? In the beginning, me and Pastor Elwin just wanted to be the biggest tithing family in the church. And then we started competing against each other. Because at the end of the day, we want the bragging rights to say that we are we are the biggest financer in Fellowship of Champions. We want, we, we're not asking you to do what we don't do. We, we're every day, we are looking to be a blessing to people. We are looking to do what God wants us to do. We don't need somebody to stare us and promise to give. It's the fourth dimension. Yeah, I'm not Edward. sure where he's going with that one. <laughs> Edward, the fifth dimension. I'm not, I'm not sure fourth. what that is, but okay. Yes. <laughs> and we want you to live this way because this is a season for supernatural debt cancellation. Mm -hmm. There are going to be strategies that God is going to give people. Listen, and when God gives you a strategy, walk it out and come back with the testimony. Mm -hmm. Walk it out and come back with the testimony, Right. There are strategies for increase. There are strategies for houses. There are strategies for your business to increase. Let me tell you something. I got to. I got stared up about this, and I started pulling out ideas from the fourth dimension and clients from the fourth dimension. It's people all over this world supposed to work with Sean Strickland Consulting. It's people all over this world supposed to partner with Edwin and Sean Strickland Ministries and Fellowship of Champions. All over this world, and we're calling them in. Why? Because there are so many people to reach. Mm -hmm. You did your good preaching day. You did too. Listen, this if this message blessed you, you ought to share with someone, even at the end of the broadcast. Be like, you know what? Listen, I was in church today and, and I heard this word. I think it'll bless you and, and send it to them. Send them the link. Tell them, tell them to, go, to go listen to it. Because what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to elevate all of our partners to living their lives in this fourth dimensional reality. Because God needs a group of people that he can trust. God needs a group of people who will partner with him. God needs a group of people who are willing to literally be a distribution center and a warehouse for all of the things that he needs to get to other people in the earth. And if you can be trusted, God wants to partner with you. I love that. God wants to partner with you. And I just want to give you a little something to think about as we get ready to go. I want you to begin to imagine what it would be like to pay every bill you have for an entire year off of one month's income. Yeah, that's what we said. That's our that's our that's our that's our fourth dimensional reality there. We want to be able to pay every bill we would have for the year 
with one month's salary. With one month's salary. So the 11 other months, we get to just partner with God and be a blessing around the world. What could we do? I want you to stretch yourself. What could we do? You know how fast we could get to full scholarships? Mm -hmm. You know how fast we could go into other countries and build mm -hmm. whales and all of that stuff? Do you know how easy it would be to sponsor a school? I want you to begin to dream about, even when you paying your bills month to month, I want you to say, I'm paying a month to month, but baby, the time is coming mm -hmm. that I'm going to pay all my bills for a year in one month. We would be such a blessing. I literally want people to look at Fellowship of Champions. I want Fellowship of Champions to become a case study. Mm -hmm. The way that people are already looking at us about scholarships, I want people to come to us and say, can you tell me how in the world all of y'all people own their homes debt free. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me how in the world y'all give away so many cars each year? Can you tell me how in the world, and, and no matter how many people we have in our church, I want our giving to be so magnanimous that they always say, how does a church with that many people do yeah. that? Mm -hmm. I, I want our 10,000 people, when we got 10,000 people, I want that giving to look like we got 100,000 people. That people will be like, how in the world did they do that? And they say, because we partner with God. Partner with God. We partner with we God. We partner with God. We partner with God. That's it. We partner with God. We partner with God. All right. We got a lot of great things happening this week. Relationships 101 on Tuesday. We want to see you there. Yeah, we don't want forget. You to show up with your kids on, on this Saturday coming up. And then we want you to come to the huddle. Baby, let me tell you something. We go be so on fire on Sunday because we on fire right now. And I just believe even this week that people are going to begin to testify about the miracles that they're getting. Amen. The strategies and the miracles. Amen. The strategies and the miracles. Amen. I just want you to begin to thank God for that. God, I thank you for the strategies. God, I thank you for the miracles. God, I thank you for the strategies. God, I thank you for the miracles. Lord, I thank you for the strategies. I thank you for the miracles. Lord, I thank you for the strategies. And I thank you for the miracles. Somebody said Jordan Strickland Charter School. <laughs> Who knows, baby? Ain't no telling. But we're going to do some things to really, really impact the world. And we thank you, our partners, for being a part of what we're doing. And we pray the same harvest that's on our lives will harvest. be on your life. In Jesus' in name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Have God a good day. Bless you.